The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is Thursday's My Thought in One Take, a part of the Ben Burnett Show Empire. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. I want to thank FaZe Commons, Evans General Contractors, First Horizon Bank, Chiringa, and Petrie Government Relations for being a part of the show in 2023. Today, I want to talk about what's in the debt ceiling fight and how you should honestly look at this. We talked a couple weeks ago about the long-term obligations of the United States, and the full faith and credit of the United States is a really important thing, whether you believe the Democrats or whether you believe the Republicans. If the United States is going to default on its debt, it would mean catastrophic things for your economy. You listen to smart people I talk about. Jamie Dimon, he told you what would be devastating about the economy. People with long-term obligations would be impacted. People who had invested in treasuries, double E bonds, I bonds, things like that. They would be in default. Are they ever going to see that money again? You would see the United States erupt. We have a ton of fights. They're partisan fights. Plenty of them are good fights to have. But when you sign up for a long-term obligation, like a road or a bridge or a retirement account, you are expected to be a good and genuine actor. If the United States government, the largest government from a GDP perspective in the world, Start saying that it no longer values its long-term obligations. It's broken, and there's no getting around it. It would have massive worldwide impacts. I have a ton of disagreements with how the United States chooses to pay for military retirement pensions. If you look at your local governments and your state governments, I hate pensions in general. In the Alpharetta City Council, 10 years ago, plus, they opted out of the pension system. They have a defined benefit contribution plan. I think it's the right way to move forward. They have health savings accounts and high deductible plans. It's a more fiscally responsible way to manage the retirement obligations and put it on the taxpayers. The federal government isn't in that business. They finance military pensions. They finance Medicare and Social Security through essentially bonding mechanisms, which on its face is pound foolish. As a part of this deal, Kevin McCarthy holds a 1% cap on non-defense spending through 2025. I think it would be a really painful lesson, but the Republicans are generally brokered to the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense and your military contractor base is a huge part of the problem. They back and finance their interests. When you talk about special interest groups, the United States Department of Defense has a bunch of people with their handout that bids on contracts all the time. There are people like Booz Allen Hamilton. There are people like Raytheon. There are people like Lockheed Martin. But there are also people like Microsoft, and there are also people like Amazon, Adobe, there are any number of people who come to the table when the United States Department of Defense is growing. And what's sad is that the United States Department of Defense isn't even the largest part of the budget anymore. That belongs to Health and Human Services. There are a lot of things that are broken. At the end of last year, Congress passed an $80 billion plan to add tens of thousands of IRS agents. Kevin McCarthy negotiated essentially a 5% clawback, clawing back another $27 billion in COVID pandemic relief money. The one thing that they did do is that if you're single or married with no children and able-bodied between 18 and 54, require public assistance for food 
there are there are going to be work requirements. I think that's something that needs to change. If the Democrats stop pandering, that they agreed with it too. They're also going to permit a handful of energy pipelines. Thanks to Joe Manchin, you got to get it through the Senate. He's got to take care of his state. For all the criticism you can give him over being wishy-washy, he looks out for the best interests of the people of West Virginia. It's a big difference between the House and the Senate. When you have those United States senators from places like Alabama or West Virginia or Idaho or Montana, their vote is worth significantly more than their House votes are because they matter on that side of the legislative house as much as the giant states like Georgia, Florida, Texas, New York, and California. So Joe Manchin has the ability, if you want to get something out of the Senate and you have to pass it with a simple majority, you got to pay the piper. Do I think that is right? You know, I go both ways. I think that there's a ton of value in governing with the House of Representatives, and I think that there's there are certain instances where you need to be able to find 60 votes to pass things along for the American people. When you talk about the $4 trillion that's going into the landscape of the United States economy by lifting or raising the debt ceiling, that's a number that people get up in arms over. But what I want you to know, since 2010, the national debt has more than doubled. When you look even through the Bush administration, even with his war in Iraq and the beginning of the war in Afghanistan, the United States had a really good GDP to national debt ratio. Those days are over. By the end of 2025, the national debt will exceed the nation's GDP, the gross domestic product. The GDP is essentially every dollar that our small businesses, our large businesses, and our enterprise businesses generate. That is totally outside of the public sector. That's your Department of Defense contractor base. Those are your tech companies. Those are your power companies. Those are your oil and gas companies. Those are your small business, your ice cream shop. Everything feeds into that. The only thing that really doesn't feed into that is your local, county, or state governments, which means teachers. They don't count towards the GDP. Your career bureaucrats, not saying there's not value there, they do not generate revenue for the economy. They can extend ideas. They can extend opportunities. They do not pump dollars into the marketplace. When you hear people say raising the debt ceiling by $4 trillion is going to cause hardship for the economy, they're not wrong. That's not the right conversation to necessarily have. If you look at the state of Georgia alone, its GDP is over $700 billion. In 2022, Brian Kemp, the governor of the state of Georgia, ran a $6 billion surplus. Brian Kemp and the state of Georgia have more in common with the numbers that they play around with with your county government than they do the United States. Georgia is in one of the top 10 states in population. It's number eight. 10.8 million people live in the state of Georgia. The only states larger than Georgia are California, Texas, Florida, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Ohio. Top three of those states, California, Texas, and Florida, have three of the top 25 economies in the world if they were by themselves. But there are also states that are two, three, four, five, six times the state of Georgia. But $700 billion is nothing to sneeze at. But I also said that to say this. When you look at the state funding of projects and having a $6 billion surplus, it's awesome. But the obligations of the federal government are entirely different. They maintain your interstate system. They maintain the federal airports. You go to Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. You go to O'Hare. You go to LAX. You go to LaGuardia. Federal airspace. The ports. Customs and immigration. 
there are a ton of things that the federal government has that a state would have no way to handle. And that's not to say that the federal government's any good at it either. But there's another thing I want you to know. The U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis ran the GDP growth numbers from 2021 to 2022. Georgia had 2.8% increase in GDP. Alabama had 1.6, Tennessee had 4.3, North Carolina had 3.2, and Texas had 3.4. And Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, he came in at number two with 4.0. The only state that had a higher GDP increase was Idaho. And for the life of me, I don't know why. They had the largest increase from 2021 to 2022. And these numbers came out at the end of March in 2023. That's how long it takes to get some of these this data back. But I also need you to look at this. When you look at the personal income percentage change from the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, Georgia saw year-over-year growth in real household income, 3.5%, Florida 4.3%, Idaho 6.2%. Those numbers aren't keeping up with inflation. There's a real problem with that. When you look at the obligations of the federal government versus your state government or your local government, the percent of GDP based on the state's budget is incredibly profound. You look at Georgia, it's essentially got a 5% state income tax rate. Now, that's not high by any stretch of the imagination compared to some of the blue left-leaning states, but it's not nothing. But when you look, if you're in the 25% income bracket with the federal government or 30 or 35, how do you continue to make ends meet? There are flaws with both strategies. The Republicans want to continue to cut taxes, but the truth is, is that they know they are not going to be able to. I said that out loud. Every member of Congress knows that when they campaign, they talk about lowering the tax rate and lowering the inflation rate. Well, the inflation rate is what it is. And when they pump another $4 trillion into the economy, at the very least, it may go down a little bit, but it'll keep status quo. The question is, does a 3.5% increase in personal income make a difference? I would tell you it doesn't. So the United States has two problems. Its eighth largest state essentially derives 150th of the GDP for this country. Think about it. What does that mean for states 9 through 50? They can't be carrying the water. When you look at it this way, if you're a middle-class working family in a $400 or a $500 or a $600,000 house, and I'm using those numbers for a specific reason, then you have to be able to maintain the obligations to quote-unquote live your lifestyle. The United States isn't doing that, but it's even worse than that. When you're financing things that should be operational expenses out of your long-term obligations, it's bound to get worse because it has to. When you talk about Kevin McCarthy being proud of a 1% growth rate over the next year or two, I don't take anything away from that if he could negotiate that deal with with both branches of Congress and come up with a 20-year deal. The United States would find its way out of this. But he can't, and he knows he can't because eventually he's going to get voted out of office by his own caucus or he's going to get voted out of office by the Democrats when they take the majority. But the problem is is that the United States government is on the verge of being insolvent. It's going to get worse before it gets better because the federal government has repatriated all the money that it could repatriate, and it chose to cut taxes a couple of years ago. Every good Republican runs on cutting taxes. When the payments that you make on your debt service match the income stream that you're going to match and put up with it again, where do you go? That is the question that everybody refuses to answer. And it's going to affect everybody incredibly adversely because the United States government is going in no uncertain terms to raise taxes. And they're going to do that because they have to. It's not going to be that it's the rich 
It's not going to be that we can't put this on the poor. They are going to put it on absolutely everybody because they have no choice. It's been another episode of The Ben Burnett Show. See you guys next week. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer.